to give you what I hear the Lord is saying tonight. Let's go to John chapter 5. John chapter, uh, Pastor Fundra, you going to help me tonight? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pastor Samson, you in there? All right. John chapter 5. And I'm going to start reading it. Verse 1. John chapter 5, verse 1 through 9. When you have it, I want you to signify by saying, I have the bread. Bless you, Prophet Corey. God bless you. After this, there was a feast of the Jews. Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now, there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda. It has five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent or weak people. They're blind, they're halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. One angel went down at a certain season in the pool, troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made hold of whatever disease they had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been there a long time in that case, he said unto him, do you want to be whole? The impotent man answered, sir, ain't got nobody. When the water is troubled to put me into the pool, while I'm trying to come, somebody else steps down in front of me. Jesus says unto him, rise, take up thy bed and walk. And immediately. And all of God's people said, amen. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to preach just a moment from the topic. Look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, I want to be better. I want to be better. Our salvation is complete. We who have put our trust in Jesus. We who have confessed with our mouth. And believed in our heart as a response to our faith. We are saved. Our salvation is complete. But our salvation although it's complete is still yet progressive. And I don't want to belabor in the uh, doctrine of soteriology or the doctrine of salvation. Because I would understand that it can shift or change depending on who you're talking to. (laughs) You know. Some people, in order to be saved, not only do you got to believe in Jesus, but you got to put on socks when you preach. And so that can become kind of complicated. No stockings, no salvation. Amen. (laughs) We kind of add to it, right? But the Bible lets us know it's by grace. Oh, you ought to thank God for it. By grace. And how is that grace applied? Through faith, not by works lest any man should boast. Tell your neighbor, I can't take the credit for my salvation. I understand what we're saying. It's very important that we sing uh, theologically correct songs because more people get their theology from songs we sing more than scriptures we read. And it is true that holiness is right. It's true. Holiness is right. 
But we grew up singing, if you live right, heaven belongs to you. But I want to say this to you. You can never live right enough to go to heaven. Uh Uh-oh, I'm sorry. No, no, live right. You better live right. But being morally good doesn't save you. You can't work your way to heaven. My working is a manifestation of my faith. Our salvation is complete in him, but it's still yet progressive. What do I mean by that? When he saved me, he saved me immediately. But I got to be honest. Even though I'm a pastor, I'm saved, but he's still yet saving me. And eventually, I'll be saved. And let me say that again. I'm saved. He's still saving me. And eventually, my God, it says, says, in other words, tell your neighbor, he's still working on me. That's why we still need revival. That's why we still need conference. You don't need it, but I still need Bible study. I still need prayer meters. Scream at somebody, tell them, because I want to be better. My spirit was saved immediately. My soul is being saved daily. And this flesh here... (laughs) It'll be saved eventually. It's called the glorification of the body. And so I'm working out my salvation Mm. with fear, fear and trembling. The work of Jesus Christ is finished and I'm consistently unpacking it. Oftentimes when we talk about deliverance, we talk about coming out of something. Right? But the reason why so many of us are still attached to what we came out of because we never got a revelation of what he wants to bring us to if the package leaves the warehouse but doesn't get to your front door the deliverance is not complete come on Amazon Prime talk to me idiot come on talk to me come on yeah yeah I'm talking about y'all just hiding the packages from your husband be honest with me you know how to look at the link when you get the notification and it says it left New York come on here but you know about what time it should get to your house if it's still out on the truck the deliverance is not complete so I need you to tell your neighbor tell your neighbor he delivered me from some things but he's still delivering me come on in here talk to me in here I don't care if you're a preacher. I don't care if you've been saved for 40 years. The reason why God still got you here because there's some things he's still uprooting out of us. Israel came out of Egypt but they had to endure a middle place. They had to endure the wilderness. Because some of us came out of bondage, but we're still struggling with captivity. Because just because you came out of it physically, don't mean your mind is not there. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. That's why it's not enough just to delete the number. You got to delete the text thread. Because you know how to Google oh, y'all not say you know how to Google it. Hallelujah. It's not enough for you to make a decision for you and not tell the other person. You got to text the old person and tell them I made a decision. I'm not coming back. You gotta text the weed man. Y'all not saying that to me here. Say, lose my number. 
because I want to be better. I want to be better. I don't want to come to church and do church and go right back to captivity after I have a good shout and good time. I'm tired of being canceled about the same stuff over and over and over and over and over and over. It never get anywhere different. Never get anywhere different. So uh, they come out of Egypt and they find themselves in this suspended place. We call the wilderness. And oftentimes when we talk about the wilderness, we say they went around in the wilderness in circles for 40 years. I preach that. I teach that. But as a, uh, I study with Orthodox rabbis sometimes. They're not messianic. They don't believe in Jesus. But when it comes to the Torah and the Tanakh, when it comes to the Jewish scriptures, they're always pulling something. Because uh, that's their Bible. That's not their Old Testament. That's their whole Bible. Uh, one of the rabbis said to me, have you ever considered that they did not go around in circles for 40 years? I said, oh no, the devil is a liar. They went around circles for 40 years. <laughs> Reverend so-and-so said. And I said, they said, well, look at it. If they went around the wilderness in circles for 40 years, that means they went to Kadesh Barnea after the first year, but then they would have left and then run around in circles to come back to that place before they crossed the Jordan. He said, consider this as you look at the scripture, that they wandered for two years, but for 38 years, they were at Kadesh Barnea. I said, what's the significance of that? He said, because some people think they're wandering around in circles when there's another group of people, they're not wandering, they're just stuck. See, you're wandering when you have to keep looking at different scenery and it comes back around ever so often. But you stuck when you got to wake up to it every day. You stuck when you got to keep carrying the anxiety, keep carrying the guilt, keep carrying the sh- shift. You got to you when you find yourself consistently stuck, not moving. Tell your neighbor he's moving me out of stuck. Kadesh Barnea, 38 years in the same spot. 38 years. 30, 38 years. Well, let's look at this then, Corey. Jesus, at one of the feasts that they would make a journey to Jerusalem. Because don't forget, Jesus is not living in Jerusalem. Jesus' ministry is in a small town, a coastal community, the Galilee. They come to Jerusalem for the feast. And this is one of the three main feasts that him and his disciples would have made a journey to Jerusalem for. Singing the Psalms of Ascension. Posturing themselves to go to worship. You know, in order to go from the Galilee to Jerusalem, it's a climb. (laughs) You know, who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He that have clean hands and a pure heart. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, church wasn't convenient tonight. But I had to make the climb. I had to make the... Something in me says, when I get off of work, I got to run straight to the house. Y'all better have y'all's clothes laid out because we got to make the climb. I know you can get the same words sitting at home, but sometimes the journey is just as important as the destination itself. Push somebody, tell them, make the climb. Whatever God is telling you to do in this season, you got to make the journey. 
And the Bible says they come to the feast. And Jesus stops by the pool of Bethesda. I mean, you can Google it. The ruins of this pool is still there. Uh, near St. Anne's Cathedral there in Jerusalem. A pool with five porches. With a whole bunch of sick people sitting around it. Waiting for something to happen. Huh. Waiting for something to shift. Waiting. It seems like the tradition the class said. The angel of the Lord would come and stir the water. And when the water is stirred, whoever is the first person that gets in the water will be healed. But you got to be the first. You got to be the first. And Jesus walks up and finds a man that's by the pool and proceeds because Jesus is God. The omniscience of his deity declares to him that this man has been here for 38 years. A picture of Israel. Chosen but stuck. Anointed but in captivity. I want to speak to somebody who's going through some stuff right now inwardly, emotionally you're dealing with your own infirmities I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor you're still chosen come on somebody look, give them eye contact and tell them because there's somebody going through in their head because their infirmity don't look like their assignment their affliction don't look like their calling but I want you to look, give them eye contact tell them you are still chosen your captivity is not your identity I need somebody in this room to scream louder than the voice of your adversary somebody shout louder than your doubt somebody scream louder than your fear I believe God 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 and when what the devil is saying to you and what you're saying to yourself is different from what God is saying go with God Thirty-eight years will make you question: Will it ever happen? Thirty-eight years will make you settle in it. I'm just preaching to somebody who's dealing with something longer than you anticipated. See, anybody can stay faithful to God when the prophecy is: When you turn around, it's gonna change. Anybody can serve God when God gonna turn it around in twenty-four hours and, and by this time tomorrow, but. You serve him when you have to suffer long. Can you serve him when you call on him and you are met with silence? Is there anybody here who's had to praise God between Malachi and Matthew? Is there anybody in here had to praise God when God said no? Tell your neighbor, I've had to worship in God's silence. I've had to worship beside caskets with the understanding that God could have changed it and he decided not to. You haven't praised God. You haven't worshipped God until you've been disappointed by him. I need somebody in this room that you went through a season that almost broke you but you stood and praised him. I'd love to hear the sound of real believers. 
Somebody shout at your neighbor, tell them I'm not going anywhere. I don't have a backup plan. Everything I got is on God. I thought if I paid my tithe, I thought if I gave my offering, I thought if I served in the church, it would have been better than this. But now I done looked up and it's 38 years. Now I done looked up and it's two years and I expected it to be different. I got married, not with the idea of divorce. I started the company, not with the idea of bankruptcy. I walked in the ministry, not with the idea of my personal failure. And now I'm sitting by a pool, impotent, no power, no strength, waiting for something to happen. Waiting and watching everybody else go before me come on and when people who haven't been in it as long as you've been in it and look like doors start opening for them before you oh don't y'all look at me like that look at y'all take down your halo for a moment tell your neighbor i'm not jealous it just made me feel some kind of way come on i just celebrated everybody else when the truth is the question in the back of my mind while i'm taking congratulations congratulations the question is when is it going to happen That's the real question. But you're too spiritual to be honest about it. And maybe that's a conversation we need to have. Because a lot of our sickness, you see the Bible says impotent, halt and withered. A lot of our sicknesses are things that an MRI can't pick up. I feel my sleepy coming off of me now. I'm seeing in the Holy Ghost now. Yeah. Do you understand? There's some things we're dealing with that a CAT scan can't see. Because, hallelujah, we want to use church as a drug. But we don't want to have a conversation about our disappointments. Glory be to God. Until you excavate the site, Nehemiah, you don't even know where to build. I need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, God is rebuilding me because I know where I need to be rebuilt. There's some things in my life I've got to step back and say, okay, I need to fix that. That needs to be changed because some of us are trying to build on the wrong foundation. We, there are many of us, and the, Lord, and the Lord showed it to me. The Lord showed it to me. He showed it to me as plain as day. I was sitting, the Lord began to speak to me and said that the church is suffering from a lot of undocumented mental illness. Hear me? As a result of the lack of processing grief. We have not processed our grief. We've shouted over it. We've danced over it. We didn't got these cute affirmations. We posting to let people know that we are in a better place than where we really are. Well, you got to be honest. When you lost that job, it hurt because you thought you were retired. Oh, y'all, look, come on, come on, talk to me here. When your loved one got cancer, that is not what you anticipated. Yes, the Lord give it, then the Lord take it away. And blessed be the name of the Lord. But right now, I'm stuck at the Lord took away. 
Yes. They married somebody else. Hey, you're saving face. But the truth is, it's still sore. Because you never processed it. You never took the time. Now you're sitting around a pool waiting for somebody else to rescue you. You sit in the pool waiting for somebody else to post a picture with just to prove to everybody you're in a good place. And then Jesus looks at a man that has a withered hand and say, stretch it out. That's cruel. That is so cruel. Because anyone who has a deformity, you learn how to hide it. Any deformity. I finally had to start telling, telling graphic artists to stop airbrushing the dent in the middle of my head. Because I would go to churches and the dent in the middle of my head would be, would be disappeared. And they'd be like, the next speaking voice will be Bishop S.Y. Younger. And I would look at the picture and like, where's the dent? Because somebody took for granted that I would be happier. Somebody took for granted that it made me self-conscious. Somebody took for granted that I was embarrassed by my scar. And I would be better if it never happened. But when you get a revelation that it was necessary, what other people tiptoe around, you can say, it happened, but it don't hurt no more. My God, it's not a wound, it's a scar. I need somebody to open up your mouth and shout for what God healed you. Real quick, y'all give me 10 minutes and I'll be finished. Tell your neighbor this message is not for everybody. Tell them this is for the chosen that has felt stuck. This is for the chosen who want to be better. All the real churchy people act like nothing, everything is perfect. But somebody jump up and shout, I want to be better. I don't want to keep going around the same stuff. I don't want to keep dealing. I want to experience real deliverance. I want to be better. Let me see. Let me see it real quick. Come on, Daniya. Hey, you didn't know more, Shakya. Who rose the telemande de la bahande? Shanela la masaya. He said, "Stretch it out. Be honest that it broke your heart." Be honest that you cried more nights than you anticipate. Come on, be honest. That's why some of you still drinking that nightcap. Because not because you looking to get drunk and you smoking that weed. Not because you want to be a weed head. But some of us got in sin. Not because we were looking for sin. But we were looking for relief. We just wanted to numb the pain. But if you can be honest tonight, just jump on your feet and shout, I still want to be better. I made some bad decisions in the midst of my grief. I made some bad decisions. Be seated. And while you're on your way to see, tell somebody grief will make you make some bad decisions. Sometimes it's not, 
It's not just a body that's in the casket. It's a hope that's in the casket. What happened when you finally realized that what you had planned for yourself is not what God desired for you? What happens when you realize what you had planned for your future? Jephthah's daughter said, I know you got to do what you want to do. Got to do what promise you made. But give me a chance to grieve what I'm going to lose. I want you to lay hands on somebody and tell them you have permission to grieve. They left the church after you poured into them, after you supported them. They walked away and act like you never did anything for them. You canceled them. You were standing by them and they closed it out with you with a text message. An email. Yes, I know. Let, let, let the door hit them. Hit them in the back. But the truth is, it hurts. Y'all be seated because I need to finish now. Jesus walks up to this man that's at the pool. A man has been there for 38 years. And he asked him what I would consider from the offset a very insulting question. Do you want to be made whole? I mean, I'm here, aren't I? No, no. Everybody who come to church don't want to be better. Come on. Everybody that goes through the motion is not here because they want to be better. Some people are social Christians. They're cultural believers. It's what they've always done, so it's what they always do. But I need you to look at somebody and tell them if it's your testimony, tell them, I still believe in this. Come on. I still believe in praying. I still believe in fasting. I still believe in anointing oil. I still believe in, look at y'all, look at y'all. Y'all didn't let, y'all didn't let academia talk you out of what works. But tell somebody, I believe in this. I still believe in casting out devils. I still believe in speaking in tongues. You can call me crazy, but I still believe in Because it's possible to do church without doing God. It's why the same people can come to the same service and get different results. How was church like? Oh man, I mean it was okay. I mean he did a whole lot of screaming I mean the praise team that set was okay but they should let the other girl lead with us when she lead I'm talking to all of y'all critiquers I'm talking to all of y'all Facebook bandits that you can't sing but you're criticizing everybody else to sing you ain't never served in the church long enough And then somebody else be like, wow, the glory was in the house. 
And you're like, well, who, who, who sung? I mean, I don't know. She was, I don't know, but I'm telling you the glory. Well, what's the preacher's name? I mean, I don't know, but he was talking about the man that cut it. It's not about personality. It's about God. But some of you, you already made up in your mind when you came to church tonight. I don't care who's singing. I don't care who's preaching. There's something I need from God. I want to be better. It's a sad day. When we got to keep printing flyers for our church members. Our flyers are not for visitors. Our flyers are not for the world. Our flyers are to remind the people who said they belong here that they should be here. Because there's some people, they no longer believe in us. And so the Lord... It's posing a question tonight. I hope y'all can understand me through my southern vernacular. Because when I get excited, I lose all of my, uh, yeah, my articulation. But he says to him, you want to be made whole? Do you want to be better? I'm like, I mean, this is what he says. Every time I try to get in, somebody get it for me. They ain't got nobody to help me. That is not what I ask you. I need you to get the three people and tell them God is eliminating your excuses tonight. Some of you are disobedient. I said, get the three. You only got the one. You got two more. Tell them God is eliminating your excuses tonight. God said, I'm about to put everything in front of you that you need for the next season of your life. I'm going to fix it that in order for you to miss this moment, you got to totally ignore me. But let me hear the sound of the saints who made it in their mind. I won't miss it. I won't miss it. This is what I prayed for. This is what somebody come up and just walk and touch the platform and shout, I won't miss it. Come in agreement. Said, I won't miss it. I won't miss it. It looks crazy, but the miracle is in the instructions. I won't miss it. I won't. I won't. Oh, oh, I've been here too long. I didn't pray too long. This is what I fasted for. This is what I danced about. This is what I saw in my vision. That at some point, it was going to change for me. At some point, it was going to turn for me. And I won't. Station, I won't miss it. 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 Put that organ in the monitor for me. Holler, I won't miss it. I won't miss it. I won't miss it. I won't. Hey, 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 hey. I won't miss it. Don't touch your neighbor. Touch yourself. I won't miss it. Yeah. I won't miss it. Cause this, this is too sensitive for you to wait on somebody else to believe with you. You have to come in agreement with yourself. This is your amalgamation. Shut up. I won't you're so busy rehearsing your trauma 
that you're missing a moment. I ask you, do you want to be made whole? And you start talking about how nobody supports you. No, this is why I know. This is why I know some of you are not healed. All we got to do is look at your Facebook statuses. There used to be a time that I'm going to say it like my grandmother would say it. My grandmother's 90 years old. She's still with me. She's still in the church with me. Nothing is wrong with her mind. She prayed all her life. Lord, keep my mind. And she's still just as strong. She's watching me right now. But it's something she said. And before we knew what verbal abuse was, we just talked the way we talk. And she used to say to us all the time, if you're stupid, be quiet and nobody will know. I know that's not proper, but just give her grace. But many of us have exposed our immaturity because we opened up our mouths. We know where you are in the process because you still talking about haters and who don't like you and who didn't support you, who didn't share your business status. Who cares? Who don't? When God gets ready to bless you, if God be if God be for you. You're still rehearsing who dropped you. Who wasn't there for you. That you're missing out on what's in front of you. I want you to lay hands on somebody's shoulder and tell them you're coming into one of the greatest seasons of your life. And somebody shout that believes it. Shout. You're coming into one of the greatest. I don't care what happened in the last three years. You are about to come into one of the greatest seasons of your life. What is right in front of you? It's not connected to the past. It's right in front of you. He started blaming. He started blaming other people. He started, he started blaming the church. They're not giving me an opportunity. I'm not growing spiritually. Well, let me tell you something. If your entire spiritual growth is leaning on what you hear from us when you come to church every Sunday, maybe. You don't log in to Bible study. No, no. If you only eat one time a week, yes, you're going to be weak. But don't blame the person who fed you the one day because you wouldn't cook for yourself the rest of the week. Blaming the church. Nobody will help me. Blaming your family. And I'm going to say something. And I don't want it to come off as insensitive because... I don't believe in clickbaits. I don't believe in that. I, I, I want to make sure the gospel always stays the center of what I say. But all of you who are still rehearsing your trauma, your childhood trauma, I just want to say this to you. All of you who've been molested or your father wasn't there for you or your mother was abusive. I'm not minimizing it. I've had my own horror story. I've had my own trauma. Now, you don't hear me talk about it all the time because... That's not what I want to be identified by. Some of you want to franchise your trauma. You want to be known. Tell your neighbor, I don't have a sad story. 
I need to hear all the people who grew up poor. I need to hear the sound of those who grew up on food stamps. Come on out the door. Be honest with me. Be honest with me. Come on. I need some people who grew up in the projects. Talk to me. I want to hear the people who didn't have but a couple of church outfits and you just kept switching the tops with the bottoms. I'm not trying to minimize your pain. I'm telling you, you're not there. But some of us want to be count. Continue to respond to blind Bartimaeus, where your handicap and your identity becomes one. Who you who who you blaming? Because when you get a revelation, when you get a revelation. I never forget when I did my initial sermon. My father now has been in my life more years than he wasn't in my life. But he wasn't in my life the first 16 years of my life. I mean the first 16 years. He was a drug addict. He was a drug addict and his, grand, his father was an alcoholic. And his mother had 23 children by several different men. Right. Right. And for years when I told that testimony... I told it like, wow, she had 23 children by several different men until her last daughter spoke to me three years ago before she died. It says, mama had her first child at 12. So my question is, what happened to her? Whew. Now, my father's coming down. I'll be going back tomorrow because my father's coming down this weekend because he's doing the, he's hosting the family reunion. He's a preacher. God has used him, right? I mean, God has raised him up. God has delivered him. But he said something to me at my initial sermon. He walked up to me after my initial sermon with tears in his eyes and he says, I am so glad I wasn't there for you. Yeah, hold on. I thought I had forgave him. But forgiveness is not a moment. Forgiveness is a posture. And I said, I wanted to say, I mean, what? Do you know how we struggled? He said, no, listen to me. I'm glad I wasn't there for you. Because if I had never dropped you, you would not have been put in position for God to raise you up. So I'm going to give y'all a chance because some of y'all, that was a little hard for you because it's hard for you to look at the pain because you still got pain associated to the memory. But I'm trying to coach you through it tonight. I'm going to give y'all a chance. I'm going to give you 10 seconds. It's going to be hard for you to do it. But I want you to praise God for what hurts you. Come on. Praise God for who walked out. Praise God for the divorce. Praise God for the cancer diagnosis. I know it's hard, but think of praise God for what God took. David said it was good to me that I was afflicted. I got a revelation of God I would have never had. I said I got a revelation of God that I would have never had unless I went through it. Do you, do you want to be made whole? The reason why the Lord wants me to preach this message tonight, because I know I was looking at some of the literature coming in and it talked about the glory. The Bible says when the exile period was over 
and they came back to rebuild the temple. At the dedication of the temple, I hope I'm not boring y'all with this. I'm almost finished. At the dedication of the temple, there was a mixed sound. Some people, the young people was like, wow, look what we got. Look what we got. Look, look at the church we didn't build. And the older saints was like, y'all got all these lights and screens, but it ain't nothing like it used to be. Y'all got this technology, but it ain't no miracle now. Y'all got praise teams and praise dancers, man. But like, no, ain't nobody got no power to live right. Why? Because the older saints, I'm calling them saints, but the older Jews were looking at the last temple and they said, this is nothing compared to Solomon's temple. And many of us are missing out on what God wants to do in us because we're still enamored with the past. We're looking at the beauty of the temple. Hear me? But we're ignoring the unholy alliances. See, that's what happened. God would deliver you out of an abusive relationship. And then you'll get lonely. And you'll start looking back, romanticizing what it used to be. God will bring you to a new church. And just because you hit a little pocket in the road and somebody treated you wrong or somebody didn't invite you and they didn't use you the first time you asked. Now you're saying, was he at my old church? But do you remember why you're not there? Yeah, you were shouting, but they were beating you too. Come on, you were, you were in bondage. You won't go nowhere. We will always, present challenges will always make us romanticize the past. And the question is, do you want to be made? It's possible to start going through the motion of church and ministry and miss out on the greater glory. Because the scripture says this, and I'm going to close with this, uh, Pastor C, right? I, I want to I share this with you. Because the Bible says that the reign of the latter, the glory, the, glo- the glory, the glory of the latter house will be greater. You're crying over the last one. And he says, there's another temple that's coming. There's another glory that's coming. It's going to be greater than Solomon's temple. And then Herod's temple is built on the temple mount of Jerusalem. It's nice. It's beautiful. But still in no comparison to Solomon's temple. So did the prophet get it wrong? If the glory of the latter house that was built supposed to be greater than the former, did the prophet get it wrong? Herod's temple is nice, but it's not in comparison to Solomon's temple. I want to tell you how Solomon's temple is no comparison to Herod's temple. Because when they dedicated Solomon's temple, the Bible said at the dedication prayer, ministers couldn't even stand to me. it was smoke Whew. Solomon's temple was dedicated there was no smoke but the Bible says that glory is greater no smoke hold on 
ain't no smoking, ain't no shaking. How is it greater? Hear me? Because in the day of Herod's temple, Solomon's temple had smoke, but Herod's temple had Jesus. That's the temple that Jesus walked in. I want to know, do you want church antics or do you want glory? Do you want just goosebumps or do you want real deliverance? Do you just want a good shout and a praise break or do you want to be better? Sorry, I didn't hoop. I didn't have it in me. Do you want to be? Do you want to be better? Because after a while, we start normalizing our wounds. Bishop, you said something. I got it in my notes. You said something. Because listen to the lame man's response when Jesus asked him, "Do you want to be better?" And then he says, "Well, I ain't got nobody to help me. I ain't got nobody to help me." That's all he said. I don't have anybody to help me. And then Jesus, he never says. Yes, I want to be made whole. Jesus says, pick up your bed. He heard his voice and knew there was something different. There was something different about his voice. Listen to what they say, that the angel of the Lord would come and stir the pool. Right? Some people say it's tradition. That the angel of the Lord. But all of you Bible students here know that in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord was a Christophany. It was a pre-incarnate, before the incarnation in, in Bethlehem. It was a pre in other words, it's a way where Jesus showed up in bodily form before the manger. My God. So the angel has to come and stir the pool. And when the layman heard the voice of Jesus. God. I said when he heard the voice of Jesus he knew that the angel of the Lord the angel of the Lord and I feel the angel of the Lord in this room tonight I said I feel the angel of the Lord in this room buckets of blood on us tonight come on open up your mouth buckets of blood on us tonight oh Jesus oh Jesus I wanna be better, Lord. I wanna be better, Lord. Come on, begin to pray. I wanna be a better husband, Lord. I wanna be a better wife, Lord. I wanna be a better preacher, Lord. I wanna be a better mother, Lord. I wanna be a better father, Lord. Oh, Jesus, make me better. Make me better. Come on, begin to pray. Make me better, Lord. God has been using you wounded. Imagine how much more He's gonna use you healed. God has been using you bleeding. Imagine how much more he's going to use you whole. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Lord. Make me better, Lord. Down on the inside, Lord. If God is talking to you tonight and you've been feeling stuck, I want you to run down to this altar right quick. I want to pray. I feel the Lord want to heal somebody tonight. Make me better, Lord. Have mercy on me, oh, God. According to your loving kindness and your tender mercy, create in me, Lord, a clean heart. Create in me, Lord, a clean heart. And renew the right spirit in me. Purge me. Purge me. Purge me. Purge me with hyssop that I may be clean. Wash me, Lord. Come on, some of y'all been numb. Wash me, Lord. Some of you been on autopilot. Come on. Wash me, Lord. 
Wash me, Lord. I shall be whiter than snow. Do it in me, God. Come on, do it in me, God. Do it in me, Lord. I need you. Heal, Lord. My wounded spirit. I've been dealing with trauma. I've been dealing with trauma from my childhood. I've been dealing with trauma from the divorce. I've been dealing with trauma from the molestation. I've been dealing with trauma from my weaknesses and my struggles and my vices. But deliver. Come on, cry out to him. Deliver. Deliver, God. Come on, open up your mouth, saints. Your miracle is in the instructions. Your miracle is in the instructions tonight. Pick up your bed. Pick up your bed tonight. Pick up your bed tonight. Pick up your bed tonight. He says, I'm healing you. I'm doing it right now. I'm healing you. I'm doing it right now. I'm healing you. I'm doing it right now. Down on the inside. Pull up the root, Lord. 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 I've been angry. Pull up the root, Lord. I've been frustrated. Pull up the root, Lord. I've been envious. Pull up the root, Lord. I'm tired in my mind. I'm exhausted in my spirit, Lord. I want to be better. I want to be better. Come on, talk to him. I want to be better. Oh, Jesus. If you got a prayer language, open up your mouth. If you got an emotion, build yourself up. Build yourself up. Hey, build yourself. Oh, I'm proud of you for living. I'm proud of you that you stuck it out. 38 years, my poop is a long time. But tonight, hey, hey, hey. But tonight, but tonight, but tonight, come on, call up that day. He's coming for the secret things. He's coming for the secret things. Make me better, Lord. If you don't know what to pray, just start saying, make me better. Make me better, God. You are the potter. You are the potter. You are the potter. I am the clay. Oh, me.
Jesus said. Take up your bed. Oh, he said, take up your money. He said, take up your money. He said, take up your bed and walk. And the Bible said immediately. Something's going to take over time. But the beginning is going to start immediately. I want you to look at somebody and tell them God will complete it by November. But it starts tonight. Hey! Hey! There's some things God will settle by November. By the time you get to Thanksgiving, it's going to be settled. It's going to be resolved. But here comes a down payment. having y'all to scream a lot but I just wanted you to take a moment and lay hands on yourself you ain't got to scream to nobody else tell them there's life on the other side of this come on do it again tell yourself there's life on the other side of this imagine how much he missed because he was stuck by a pool some of you are getting ready to find out in the next few days what the enemy was distracting you from. Because some of you have been living, living in the cemetery of your past mistakes and regrets. And as long as the enemy can keep your focus on what has not worked for you. And what hasn't worked out. And every mistake you made, you'll never, you'll never get up. You'll never rise up and walk. Shoo, Lay hands on yourself. Tell them there's life on the other side of this. When I tell you, you're about to live. When I, when I tell you, you are about to live. The Bible says, at the word of Yeshua, strength came to his legs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Push somebody to the left or the right and you tell them I'm getting ready to move. Now listen, listen. Everybody don't want to be better. Alright? And this is not a time to judge them because your focus is not them. I want to be better for God. It ain't about my image. It's about God's glory. I want to be better for God. And what God? This is when I knew God is getting ready to do something special, uh, Apostle, because anytime 
God gets ready to produce something fresh in the earth, he starts crossing our paths with divine connections. Not connections after the flesh, but divine connections. So I want to tell you, everybody don't want to be better because everybody's not there yet. Many of us are at our 38th year in the spirit. In other words, we're saying something has got to break. In other words, I'm not willing to do another year like this. And some of you is not sin, but you've been doing life under the chokehold of anxiety. Who am I? No, I'm, I'm, I'm going to expose that devil right quick. I'm talking about you that even in a good moment, when you graduate or you get a job, something good happens for you. You cannot fully accept it because you're waiting for something bad to happen. PTSD has choked you out that you can't even sell. People call it humility when the truth is you're scared to death. You're waiting for something bad to happen. But put your arm on somebody and tell them it's going to be different this time. The Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. I pray today's message has been a blessing to you and that you've been expanded and increased and you've been given the desire to walk even closer to God. If you've really been blessed by today's message, I want you to consider partnering with me that I can continue to get out quality content, inspirational, motivational and gospel messages because we know it's through the foolishness of preaching that souls are saved. When you partner with us, you're helping us spread the word of God, not just domestically, but internationally all over the world. And so remember today as you sow, that even though the money or the gift may leave your hand, it will never leave your life because you're partnering with something that's greater than you. We want to hear from you. If you've been blessed by our ministry, we'd like to get your messages. Send us an email. Uh, follow us on social media and take this opportunity to subscribe to this YouTube channel. Remember, I know what it feels like to cry till you have no more tears left to cry. But after you finish crying, don't stop. Get up. Get up. 